keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast Time. Welcome to the show. I want to get into the defensive end depth chart coming into training camp. What's it going to look like? Who's ahead of who? Who's in competition? This is going to be a lot of fun. Let me know what you think in the comment section down below of what you think about my depth chart and how exactly these players are slotted coming into training camp. Of course, it's not about where you start, but how you finish. But I think it gives us an idea of the pecking order as the 49ers players go up to training camp and then go out there and compete. Of course, if you start higher on the train or on the depth chart in training camp, you have a better chance of making the team. And there's probably a pretty good reason why you're that high already. Maybe it was how you've played in the past or how the 49ers value you or where you were drafted. All those things are really, really huge. Of course, I did this already at another position. You can go back and, and check that out. Uh, and it, it's a lot of fun breaking down position by position players and going through and just talking about, hey, who's going to be where? And that's what I want to do here with the defensive ends. And the 49ers have some big question marks at defensive end. Not so much at the number one spot where Nick Bosa sits. Nick Bosa, the only question is when he's going to get his monster extension rumored to be anywhere from 33 to $35 million per season. That is going to take care of itself. John Lynch... Kyle Shanahan, they do this all the time with players that need to get extensions. They sign them right before training camp or right as training camp is beginning, and they get it all taken care of. It's become the expectation, and it's become how these guys operate and handle uh, good faith contract negotiations. And it seems like them and Nick Bosa have been handling this the right way. Bosa said in his interview that he expects the deal to get done. So uh, Nick Bosa is going to be the number one defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers for the foreseeable future. And what a force he is. 18 and a half sacks, dominant uh, defensive end, and you know left a couple out there. He almost had 20. And I think he would have really liked to do that. But he was the number one sack getter in the entire league. And the 49ers have done some things on the interior defensive line that are going to make Nick Bosa's life a little bit easier. One of those things, adding Javon Hargrave. Oh, you were double and triple teaming Nick Bosa. Well, you know who the most double team player was on the Philadelphia Eagles last year? Javon Hargrave. So if you're going to single him up, he's going to do some damage. If you're going to double both of them, it's going to mean something for someone else. So probably some more opportunities for Nick Bosa to get some sacks. But question marks about who's going to play on the other side have definitely been very polarizing during this offseason. The 49ers lost, of course. Samson Ebucom, Charles Amenehu, uh, both of them are gone. And this is a year, uh, a couple years after losing a guy like Arden Key. The 49ers have been looking for that force opposite of Nick Bosa. The Ford wasn't able to stay healthy. Samson Ebucom did pretty good, uh, but five sacks opposite of Nick Bosa is not exactly what you're looking for. It's solid, but you'd like to see someone near double-digit sacks. Yeah, with all the attention Bosa's getting, winning one-on-one should be the method you have to do. And let's be honest, on third and long, you need somebody over there that can collapse, get on that quarterback, and get him to the ground so you can get off the field. 
So the 49ers have a couple of options depending on how you want to slate these guys as the number two defensive end on the team. Number two will obviously start next to Nick or opposite of Nick Bosa. My belief that right now at this moment heading into training camp, that guy is Drake Jackson. And I'll tell you why. Drake Jackson already understands his system. He understands exactly what Chris Kacarek wants from him. He's worked with Daryl Tapp on his technique and everything that he needs to do. Also, the 49ers have proven they like to give their guys an opportunity. We've seen this from Aaron Banks, who did not start his entire rookie season, yet stepped in, had a tough, rough training camp, and still played very well. They were, were willing to let him grow during camp and let him go out on the field and prove it, and he did. Kawano Hufanga got on the field a little bit more, 41% of snaps in his rookie season, but the 49ers were ready to turn it over to him. The 49ers will give you an opportunity to make plays if they feel like you've done enough to deserve it. And Drake Jackson's been in the 49ers facility working out almost the entire offseason. He's definitely changed his body. He's gotten 13 pounds heavier, all with muscle. He's been working out and doing a good job of changing his body. Last year, we saw him fall off at the end of the year because he wasn't able to maintain his strength throughout the year. That's a tough thing to do, learning how to navigate through an NFL season. College football, 13 games, there's your max. In the NFL, 13 is where Drake Jackson hit the wall, and the 49ers had to somewhat put him on the inactive list the rest of the time. So what the 49ers want from Jake Jackson is that next step. He's got all the ability. He's got the bend. He's got the flexibility in his hips, in his ankles. He's a tremendous athlete. There were things, of course, he has to get a little bit better at, including get off the football, which is a Chris Kacarek Chris staple. You must get off extremely fast. That's the reason they have the GTFO stat now. How fast you get off that line. I'm not going to go exactly what into what those mean, but get off the ball in a tremendous amount of haste and then close that gap on the offensive tackle so you can either bend the corner around him or close that gap, get him when he's unbalanced, and get physical with a bull rush or a straight single arm and get that extension and be able to collapse the pocket to the quarterback. Drake Jackson has that ability. We just haven't seen that consistently. His three sacks last season had less to do with his overall technique and more to do with his motor and his hustle. That's what he did. He also was very good at batting the football down, and those are great things to have on your football team. Those help you get off the field, but that's not what you need opposite of Nick Bosa. You need those three sacks to come, but you need five that come because he put pressure on the quarterback with bend or with power. The fact that he's worked out so hard and increased his strength makes me very optimistic. One area, though, that could prevent Drake Jackson from being the number two tight end on the San Francisco 49ers roster is his ability to set the edge in the run. He's able to do it at a consistent pace, and he's able to close it down on the outside. Then he's going to have more opportunities to play. Then he becomes a three-down defensive end that you can count on and the number two defensive end on the team. I'm optimistic he's going to be able to do that, and part of the reason is the way I've seen Chris Kacarek develop guys who struggled in that area before. Samson Ebucom came from the Los Angeles Rams where he played 3-4 outside linebacker. Question marks surrounding him being able to set the edge were all the conversation when the 49ers signed him. Figured, oh, this guy will probably just be a speed rush option in year one, 
and then eventually he could develop into a three-down defensive end. However, it was year one. He started from the beginning, and he set the edge at a high level, which means, of course, he had the strength, he had the technique uh, to get it done, but he learned that technique from Chris Kacerik and Daryl Tapp. They did a very good job of teaching him how to anchor, but then also how to squeeze down when there's a vacancy, when a tight end or tackle leave the line of scrimmage, get into the right zone so you can squeeze it down and still be able to keep your outside arm free to make tackles. It's very good work, and I, that's why I'm very optimistic about Drake Jackson developing that area. Has he developed yet? I think that's the bigger question. We're going to find out when we get to training camp and into the preseason exactly what Drake Jackson has been able to acquire from year one to year two. If he acquires all of it and he's getting off the football fast and able to get use his natural ability to get bend around the outside, Drake Jackson will be defensive in two for the 49ers, and the 49ers could have a one-two punch of Bosa and Jackson for the foreseeable future, and that means trouble for everyone else in the league, especially with the fact that your interior defensive line is Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. One-on-one situations for Drake Jackson is a must-win for this 49ers defense. If he's able to do it, he'll be the number two defensive end on the San Francisco roster. I think he is going into training camp, but can he hold on to it? Because at number three, the 49ers brought in a guy from the the Las Vegas Raiders in Cleveland Farrell. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is looked at in Raiders organization and fan base the same way the 49er fans look at Solomon Thomas, a guy that had a huge expectation being drafted in the top five, yet hasn't been able to reach those expectations for whatever reason. With Solomon Thomas, it was a guy that's just a tweener. Uh, If he played inside, he wasn't quite strong enough. If he played outside, he wasn't quite fast enough. Didn't have the right techniques. As a rotation piece, he's fantastic. But you don't draft rotation pieces in the top five. Cleveland Farrell's in that same avenue. Now, he's got great technique. And unlike Drake Jackson, Cleveland Farrell sets the edge at a high level. As far as playing the run, that's something Cleveland Farrell can do. Where Farrell's weaknesses come is his ability to bend the corner on the outside. He doesn't have Drake Jackson's natural hip flexibility, ankle flexibility, uh, speed off the line of scrimmage. Like those things don't exist compared to Drake Jackson. Jackson's at another level. But where he gets Jackson is hand placement, technique, throwing together secondary pass rush moves. He does those things at a high level. Now he's going away from a Raiders defense that's completely different for an edge rusher in San Francisco. In Las Vegas, you have a ton of responsibilities. You have to hold your ground sometimes even in the pass game. There are just different responsibilities than it is in 49ers Chris Kacerik's wide nine. In the wide nine, he's able to rush, get his head in the ground, and just go. Less thinking. We've seen this before. We've seen an Arden Key come over from the Raiders and get into a system that works better for his skill set. Chris Kacerik has been watching Cleveland Farrell since he was drafted out of Clemson and feels he's a fit for a system. Who am I to argue with Chris Kacerik looking at his history of grabbing these guys, bringing them into the system, and letting them operate? A perfect example is Kerry Hyder, a guy that when he's with them in Detroit, he does fantastic. When he's not with them, Kerry Hyder struggles. He comes to San Francisco in 2020, has an excellent season, goes to Seattle, gets a huge contract, struggles comes back to the 49ers and is once again playing at a high level. It is system fit with certain players. 
And we're expecting Cleveland Farrell to be that sort of system fit. If he ends up being defensive end two, you could place him in there on first and second down with no worries that he could set the edge in the run game and put pressure on the quarterback. Will it be a consistent pressure or a pressure that has the ability to get 10 sacks? Probably not. But the fact that he has an innate ability to get to the quarterback, which he's proven four and a half sacks in one season, nothing to joke about. That is exactly what we saw from Samson Ebucom in his first season. Now, is that what you want? No. That's why you want a guy like Drake Jackson to take that next step. But with Cleveland Farrell playing next to Javon Hargrave with Eric Armstead and with Bosa on the other side, that's a way better defensive line than he had in Las Vegas. You got to think with that comes the opportunity for more plays. But he gets seven and a half, eight and a half sacks. If that's the case, you have to feel like he's done a really good job of acclimating and being a second guy opposite of Bosa. But he's got to beat out Drake Jackson. And that's not going to be an easy task. Jackson not only has the optimism and upside that Kasarik and the 49ers brass is looking for, uh, but he's got the physical tools to get it done. So I think it's going to be a real training camp battle between the two guys. Farrell, the more consistent guy, better against the run. You know what you're going to get. He's going to collapse the pocket. Really good straight arm, really good bull rush, and then just enough bend to be able to get home. It'll be one of those things where Cleveland Farrell, it all clicks in this system, and he has a big year the way Arden Key did. Could you imagine a six-and-a-half sack season from a guy like Cleveland Farrell? I think everyone would take that. So the top three guys are definitely really good. Now we talk about number four defensive end coming in, and it's Kerry Hyder. Some might have Kerry Hyder lower. And at some point during the training camp and preseason, he might fall lower. But right now, you're talking about a veteran that understands this defense inside and out, that has the complete confidence of his coach and is very technically sound at this point in his career. He can set the edge. He can rush the passer. Now, he's not going to win consistently with bend, but he's going to win consistently with a motor and a nonstop attitude to use one, two, three different types of moves to get to the quarterback. Is he going to run people down? No, but he's going to consistently hustle to get there. Harry Hyder's a good situational guy for the 49ers, but he's also a guy that you can feel confident if you need him to play inside as well. So he can play inside and outside with great versatility. I believe Cleveland Farrell could play on the inside as well, and we saw Drake Jackson do it in pass rush situations last year. So these guys being versatile and being able to move around is going to be very important for this 49ers defense. With Hyder, the understanding of what Kacerik wants is through the roof. Yeah, of course, he's getting older, and he's not as athletic as the other guys ahead of him, but what he is missing in that athletic ability, he makes up with intelligence, understanding, instincts. He does it at a pretty high level. Could I see some of the guys that end up being behind him jumping up and taking his role? Yeah, definitely. The 49ers want younger players to take up, take up their stake and take his job because getting younger while getting better is the ultimate goal. But if you're not better than Kerry Hyder, you're not going to be the number four defensive end. Being number four means you're part of the 49ers rotation. You're not a guy that's situational, but a guy that's consistent going in with that second unit to be able to take snaps from either Bosa or whoever starts uh, opposite of Bosa like Drake Jackson. So it's a very pivotal and important position. It's going to be hard to beat out Kerry Hyder, but that's the job of number five, Austin Bryant. 
another guy that came out of Clemson that Coach Chris Kacerik is at his eyes on. When you're looking at Austin Bryant, you're seeing a very athletic 270-pound defensive end who runs a 4-7-40. Have we seen uh, the excellence that was expected of him coming out of Clemson? No. Starts with the process in 2019 of the pectoral injury that really hurts him on draft day. His stock plummets. and ends up getting drafted in the fourth round. But he's got tremendous upside. Long arms. That's great for creating separation with a tackle. And a pretty good get-off. I think the get-off can get better. I think that's the key to Austin Bryant's success is the get-off. If he can get off the ball quicker, he's going to be able to get that separation and get that long arm into the offensive tackle's uh, chest plate and be able to create off of that. That straight arm move will allow him to use a secondary move at his disposal, whether that's going inside or staying outside. Also, he is able to bend the corner. Question marks surrounding Austin Bryant have a lot to do with his balance. Sometimes he gets extended. He gets his foot, his feet too close together, loses his wide base, and he's able to be put on the ground. Those are weaknesses that have to be sorted out by Coach Chris Kacerik. He's got to work on it and fix it. Now, Bryant can set the edge pretty well against the run, so that's something he's going to be able to do and make him so he's not just a situational pass rusher, but a guy that can play all three downs. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. That's part of the reason I have him this high is because he's in direct competition to make this team. The likelihood is the 49ers keep four or five defensive ends with five probably being the most likely, but they're going to have to figure out how to do it. And Austin Bryant got a good amount of money to come to San Francisco, so we know the 49ers are definitely looking at Austin Bryant as a guy that can make an impact on their defense in 2023. So he's got the tools, he's got the ability, but he's coming in a little bit behind the guys in front of him. The guys in front of him either have a higher skill set or understand this defense a little bit better. I think if Austin Bryant reaches his expectations and meets his limits as far as his skill set, he can beat out Kerry Hyder. But he's got to be able to play with intelligence, and he's got to play with very sound technique. Be deliberate in every single snap that you take. Make sure you put everything you got into every single play. That's your only chance of taking out Kerry Hyder on this roster. It's not going to be easy. But Bryant has the technique to do so. So can Chris Kacerik pull another one out of his hat with Austin Bryant? Maybe. 
I think Austin Bryant is closer to Samson Ebucom as far as technique and ability uh, than most. The problem is he's not quite as fast as Ebucom, but he's a little bit bigger than Ebucom, which means he's going to be a little bit better at setting the edge, even though Ebucom ended up being absolutely fantastic. Number six is going to be rookie Robert Beal Jr. And the only reason Robert Beal Jr. is number six is the similar question marks you have to Drake Jackson just a year behind. But his GTFO is through the roof. He was the number one GTFO rating, according to the 49ers, in the entire draft. And you see that 4-5 speed on film. He is tremendously fast. I think one of the things that I like about Robert Beal is I think he's better at setting the edge than most do. Most say that he's only going to be a, a situational pass rusher. I don't think so. I think Robert Beal is going to develop pretty quickly at stopping the run. And with the way he played at Georgia as an off-ball linebacker most of the time, he's definitely a guy I can see in that Samson Ebucom transitioning really fast to being able to stop the run. I think Robert Beal is a better defensive end than most give him credit for. I think he's more all-around. He's not a one-trick pony. He's got some pretty good skills and techniques and a makeup speed that's going to help him if a quarterback breaks the pocket to be able to chase him down. That's something that's exciting. With him and Drake Jackson, the 49ers have some legit athletes at the position. They got a little bit better, too, with Austin Bryant. You got to make sure you have these kind of guys. And Robert Beal, even though he's nestled right here in the depth chart behind Austin Bryant, can catch Austin Bryant in a hurry. He's more athletic. He has more technique. He's overall just a better athlete. But is he as skilled as Bryant? Bryant's been in the league for four years. He played four years at Clemson. Lots of technique. Those are things that Robert Beal is going to have to overcome. But Beal has the advantage because like we talked about with Cleveland Farrell with responsibilities, Robert Beal had tons of responsibilities at Georgia. He was expected to drop in coverage. He had to play the run. He had to play the pass. He had to go in stunts. There were lots of things he was expected to do. Now you're going to put his hand in the ground. What have we seen from defensive ends that Chris Kacerik has got that don't normally play their hand in the ground? He put their hand in the ground. They play really good. E. Ford, as one, came in and made a huge impact as soon as he put his hand in the ground. It was a 3-4 outside linebacker for Kansas City. Samson Ebicom, 3-4 outside linebacker for the Rams. So this is something that they do. Listening to Kacerik talk about Robert Beal, he's definitely excited about his upside. And so am I. Could he get a little bit better at bending the corner? Yes. Does he have the athletic ability to bend to do so? Yes. Could he get a little bit better with his bull rush getting lower, getting his hands firmer with heavy hands into the chest? Yes. Could he develop a better straight arm with a secondary move to help him give to the quarterback? Yes. Also a rookie who hasn't even been through training camp yet. So excited about Robert Beal's upside. Would not be shocked to see him move up this depth chart once training camp commences and once we see him in the preseason. Number seven, Alex Barrett. Alex Barrett's been with the 49ers organization for a few years now, spending most of that time on the practice squad, and he just understands what Chris Kacerik wants from a defensive end in his system. He knows how to play it, and he can also go inside to play D-tackle, which he did some last year. Barrett's going to be competing, and this is going to be tough. This is the first year that Alex Barrett might lose his job on the practice squad. He's got to go out there and compete at a high level. I think the 49ers have legit six guys ahead of him, and every single one of them are more talented and execute at a higher level. But Alex Barrett is a hustler. He battles every single play. You can't watch him at practice or in the preseason and not think that this guy absolutely wants it. He wants 
to be out there making plays for the football team. So he's a guy that you got to cheer for. He's a fun guy, but he's just like everybody else, trying to make it in the league, looking for his opportunity, honing on his craft, getting stronger, getting better. So we'll see what Alex Barrett looks like this season. But with the amount of talent the 49ers have acquired ahead of him, it looks like Alex Barrett's got an uphill climb to make this roster. Number eight, Daryl Johnson. The 49ers signed him, and he spent last year with Seattle. He played against the 49ers uh, in, in the end of the season, and he, he had a couple of tackles. And the 49ers signed Johnson when they released Shea Wyatt, a wide receiver. Uh, they needed to thin out at wide receiver and wanted to get a little bit better at edge because the 49ers only have eight edge rushers, edge rushers unless you count Spencer Wagey. Wagey, of course, has been talked about being a defensive tackle, but does have the flexibility to play inside or out, and we'll see if the 49ers use him in that category. But Daryl Johnson is a guy that's going to be in competing, but he's coming in at the last part of the totem pole because all the other guys are either draft picks or understand this defense a little bit better. Uh, Daryl Johnson's a former seventh-round pick, so it's not like he doesn't have talent, is devoid of ability. He definitely competes at a high level, and who knows? He could he could go past uh, Alex Barrett at some point during this season. But I think it's going to be really tough for him to get into that top six. That top six is absolutely fantastic. Of course, there is some development that needs to go into it because Sarah can tap have to develop a very, very good defensive edge rusher. And they have some potential, but right now that's what it is. There's no proven commodities, unless you're talking maybe Kerry Hyder in that defensive end room. Nick Bosa, Kerry Hyder, proven commodities. Everybody else is either trying to get better as a young guy or trying to reestablish what they were coming out of college. Reclamation projects for Chris Kacarek. But you know what? If he can get it out of him and prove it again that he's got this ability the 49ers definitely have a method that they can continue to use for years to come. Get these players that aren't working out in other positions, let them come in, have big seasons, go out on the open market, get a huge contracts. If that continues to be the case, what you're going to get is more players in the same situation wanting to come to San Francisco, knowing that this is a stepping stone. So while the 49ers get a cheap option that could produce at the defensive line position, they also continue a factory of Kacarek developing and getting these guys on, which keeps the cost low along the defensive line, which you have to do when you're spending all the money you're spending on Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave. Being able to replace the other guys with cheap options is an absolute necessity. The 49ers are figuring out how, and it's because of Chris Kacarek's development and keeping his eye on these guys that fit his system. Worked out really well so far. So, number one, no surprise, Nick Bosa. Number two, Drake Jackson. Number three, Cleveland Farrell. I think that one's a close uh, battle between those two. Number four, Kerry Hyder. Number five, Austin Bryant. Number six, Robert Beal Jr. Uh, those three are all pretty close as well. And then number seven, Alex Barrett. Number eight, Daryl Johnson. That is the depth chart for the 49ers headed into training camp, which it's just around the corner. It's less than a month away before the veteran players are going to show up at training camp. Can't wait uh, for training camp to get here. I want to get out there and watch these guys with my own eyes. Uh, thank you so much for watching this episode. Let me know what you thought about this depth chart. Do you believe Cleveland Farrell's ahead of Drake Jackson right now? Or do you have it the same way as me? It's Drake uh, until Cleveland Farrell proves that he's doing things better. 
What are your feelings about Hyder, Bryant, and Beal, and who is four, five, and six? I'm curious. Let me know in the comments section down below. Like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. On the push for 4K. Thank you so much for watching. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.